If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that requires more precise muscle control than football and basketball combined. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sifpop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I made out with Black Panther. I'm your host, Aaron <laughs> Dicer, and he has a private sort of greatness, but he keeps it to himself. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hey. Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week, friend of the show. It's Jonathan Paula. Welcome Good back, afternoon, buddy. It's great to see Good to be your back. beautiful face. Thank you. Thank you for saying so. That's very kind, and um, I don't quite believe you, but I appreciate it. <laughs> what is there not to believe? Uh, the beautiful part. <laughs> well, you know. My wife thinks so, and that's all that counts. Well, and, and I make two. You know, there it's you like yeah, uh, it. trial of the Chicago second, uh, and then your honor. And let, let me, me be the second. Let me be the second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're excited because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a movie that just came out, as well as a classic. So we're kind of going old and new this week. We're going to talk Citizen Kane in anticipation of Mank uh, that is coming out here in a couple weeks. Actually, technically already in theaters this week. Uh, I don't know if you remember movie theaters, but apparently yeah, it's good showing. Luck, good luck finding a theater that's actually playing in your neighborhood. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, we have we have one open here, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely not um, movie going time for most people uh, right now. But uh, it is also going to be on Netflix here in a couple weeks. And then uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, we have got Holiday. Uh, a I'm going to call it a Christmas movie, but it's kind of a, just a holiday movie. Uh, as yeah, you would guess from the title, holiday. yeah. So it's, it's as much a Fourth of July movie as it is a Christmas movie, uh, and that's that's saying a lot or nothing <laughs> at all. I don't. Maybe maybe it it checks all those boxes so that it can be an every holiday. You know, so it's like, hey, have you seen? Are there any? Um, you know, uh, this is my favorite Labor Day movie, bar none. Right? right yeah. Yes. Uh, Best <laughs> Arbor Day movie of all time. <laughs> Yes. So, so yeah, we're going to check both of those out. We've also got a best ever challenge that we're going to do. Before we get to any of that, though, uh, Jonathan, how are you doing, man? How has life been? Like, you know, I know there's obviously 2020 for everybody. Uh, it's been is, an absolute mess. Right. Yes. So, but, uh, but yeah, kind of check us in on, on, you know, life for Jonathan. Like, uh, how are you doing, man? Uh, surviving, I think, is the mm-hmm. correct and honest answer. Uh, my wife and I welcomed a second baby girl at the very start of this year. Back nice. Oh, congrats. So she's already ready to walk and talk any week now. Um, and that has kept us busy, especially since we're not allowed to leave our house or really our zip code at the uh-huh. very worst. Right. And um, so I've just been watching a lot of movies. I've been catching up on some projects and some work and just trying to keep my two girls entertained without going stir crazy in the process. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been a year, and I, it's been such a blur that if my youngest hadn't progressed from like the little nugget sh- she was to just this walking, little babbling, uh-huh. cute little baby she is, I would this entire year would just be indistinguishable one month to the next. Right. But I can look back at photos and be like, oh, okay, she was she was so much smaller in May yeah. versus today. But otherwise, <laughs> my life has not changed at all from the beginning of the year to now. It's just been so similar yeah for lack of a better word that's right we're all just kind of we're just getting going through the motions and hopefully you know something exciting happens soon yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we can all go outside we're we're all trying to figure out how to mark time right like we're all trying to figure out that's a good way of putting it what our what our routines are what our rhythms are what what does life look like during this time and we're you know we're all finding our way through it based on our very unique and complex circumstances as you know human beings have very different circumstances so yeah, it's it's it that I'd never thought about the idea of basically you had a child right like a month before the pandemic really yeah. hit you know. Hit I the actually I, I took I took paternity leave straight through Valentine's Day, and then I started working from home less than a month later, right before the NBA season was canceled. We all got sent home, and we haven't been right. back since. So I've only I actually only worked in my office for a total I think of like fourteen or sixteen working days. It wow. was like three. It was like three and a half weeks total, and um, I don't miss that. I don't miss the commute. I don't miss going to an office for no reason when I can do my work here. <laughs> right? Like, um, Are they going to make yeah, you whole, come back someday? I hope not, because we're actually being we're being more productive now. So. That's up to the boss. <laughs> I, I think there I think businesses are gonna find some real advantage in having to had do it, you know, uh to had to have do it do it this way for a while. They're gonna figure out, oh, we could probably do some things more efficiently this way. So yeah, I, I wonder if some people will ever really go back, at least go back in the same way that they, you know, went to an office before. But I'm the guy that's worked from home for several years, so I don't, you know. I'm very used to. I mean, I did YouTube professionally for a decade, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm very used to working in my office here at home. And uh, so I have I have the facilities to make it work, even with two young kids at home. But for those who are working out of their bedroom or their laundry room, yeah. trying to homeschool yeah, at the true. same time, yeah, yeah. I uh, all my sympathy with the the parents of young kids. I have much younger kids and they're not in school yet, but those people that are trying to navigate homeschooling. And working from home. Yeah. And they don't even have a dedicated office. Like, good luck. I don't know how you've done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's definitely good to have you on again, man. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's, uh, we're going to have a good time talking movies uh, like we do on Sif Pop. Um, so I think we can just get right into it. Um, let's kick it off by taking a look at Holiday. We are right on target for Q3. And I'm sorry, can I uh, call you back? Mom, I'm working. That's what you wear to work. I want you to meet someone. This is a doctor. And he's single. She's much prettier with makeup. I'm wearing makeup. I am done casually dating on the holidays. There's way too much pressure. It's ridiculous. Try being the only single person left in your family. Rodney said you didn't call him. You didn't call Rodney? Why didn't you call Rodney? Why didn't you call Rodney? Because I already have a boyfriend. Fed up with being single on the holidays, two strangers agree to be each other's platonic plus ones all year long, only to catch real feelings along the way. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> As if you didn't know in a romantic comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got Emma Roberts here. Um, we've got uh, Luke Bracey uh, together uh, playing the main roles. And this is kind of our 
I'm going to say first holiday movie heading into the holiday season, at least the first new one I can think of. And uh, so it will impact our best ever challenge later. We'll be talking about uh, our favorite recent holiday movies. But what did you guys think? We like to kick it off uh, with a like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go first? It was okay. Just okay. Uh, Just okay. Jonathan, what about you? I'm right there. It was just okay. I somehow, I think I'm going to be the one who liked this the most. I was going to say high side of just okay. um, And maybe even stretching into the low side of liked it. This movie has. Let's let's come back to that opinion in a year, though, and see if you can even remember the movie. Right. No, and I think you're absolutely right. And we are so aware this year of how this year has impacted. The enjoyment of movies. Every time I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, it's a movie. It's telling a story. I love it. And so, yeah, it is um, it is a little different for sure. And I think you're absolutely right about that. To, to badly uh, paraphrase one of my favorite quotes from the American president, they don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. And Holiday right. is one of those movies where like, yeah, it seems good because we haven't had anything better. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is like, the, this is one of the best movies of 2020 in the sense that we haven't gotten any tent poles, any blockbusters, any big studio releases. We just have sort of middle of the road, middle budget Netflix direct to streaming movies like this. And some of them have been pretty good. Yeah, None of them have been awful, but they all kind of exist in this like straight down the middle. They're not offensive. They're not excellent. They're not terrible. It's just, okay. Yeah. I just, I know I had moments during this movie where I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's, that's kind of fun. You know, like it, it does some things that are... Uh, interesting enough for me that it just kind of it, it 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 bent the needle just a little bit towards the I liked it side for me and I was not expecting that especially because really honestly for the first twenty to thirty minutes of this movie I was kind of out like I was kind of bored I wasn't I wasn't buying into them yet and then something happened uh, right about that point you know somewhere in the thirty to forty five minute range. I just kind of really liked them together. And all of a sudden I was enjoying hanging out with them together. I, you know, I kind of liked their banter. So then it kind of started, you know, pushing me the the other direction. Um, how did you feel about not just their performances, but their chemistry in, in this couple as someone we're interested in in seeing how all this is going to work out? Because honestly, if you're doing a rom-com, that's a really key factor. Talking to me or Andrew? Either one. <laughs> uh, I'll go. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll say that... Uh, yeah, it works, but it doesn't work any more than any above-average rom-com. It's not like I was like, oh, now they're going to stand out. It's kind of like what I just said, where it's like, if you can remember this movie after a year, I'll be impressed, you know. It's it's I paint by numbers. They're going to, you know, start off, you know, just as friends, and they're going to develop uh, feelings for another then they're gonna have the fight and then at the end of the movie they got to give the big speech to get back together i'm not spoiling in it because that's literally every yeah. single <laughs> right. rom-com no, in the right. history of rom-coms <laughs> so if you're like oh great he gave away the movie if you went into this thinking that there was going to be something special that's on you <laughs> <laughs> that's right how dare you how dare you think it could yeah. be unique and different uh were you buying yeah. in jonathan um I, I i think i agree with you aaron that um certainly the strongest aspect of this film are the performances from the two leads and the chemistry. I, I felt that actually legitimately worked. Emma was adorable. Uh, Luke Bracey, I thought, was really charming. I thought he nailed all the bits and beats that he needed to. But the overall story was just very paint-by-numbers. Like, okay, yeah. it's it's there's not a will-they-won't-they. They, it's when-will-they. And obviously, yeah. before the next 
Christmas holiday. It's, it's a Christmas to Christmas narrative. It starts on Christmas Eve and runs through the next Christmas. And as soon as they set up that conceit that this was, I'm only going to date you on holidays, and they have this short montage where they immediately show New Year's, then Valentine's, then uh, St. Patrick's Day, it's like, okay, that means by Labor Day we'll have the falling apart moment, right, where they sort of, <laughs> right. the, the yeah. black moment of the mm-hmm. script, and then hopefully by the next Thanksgiving or Christmas they'll come back. You could map, I already had the screenplay in my head while we were 20 minutes into it, and I mean, predictability isn't uh, like a bad thing, certainly with this genre you expect all of these things to happen exactly as you said, Andrew, like the big speech, all these moments. Um, but they did it in a way that was fun and occasionally funny. And I thought the chemistry worked. So, like, I would recommend it, but I wouldn't expect anyone to come back to this or to put it on their shelf as a favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh, no. Yeah, you guys are talking me down. I'm definitely not I'm, not, I'm definitely not <laughs> headed into the liked it category. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it strictly, uh, strictly in the high side of it was just okay. Um, I will say, uh, just as another pro, I think I laughed more in this than I have it in any like holiday rom-com I've ever seen. Like I know that's a very niche category, but as far as those go, I think this was pretty funny. Yeah. I, I remember laughing several times. I think that's like what you said, Aaron, because of the chemistry. I think Emma Roberts in this is really funny. And uh, my biggest problem though, and then what keeps it from going above it is there's too many characters in this movie. They had definitely there's, had a lot of supporting players yeah, and there was there's, there's a side plot with uh, uh, Christian Chenoweth, mm-hmm. the Broadway star, yeah. who falls in love with like a younger character, and it that just felt really forced and unbelievable, and just it yeah. felt entirely like we need to make fun of this funny concept. What if this older lady liked a younger man? Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I I felt like that dragged down the rest of the movie, um, not to a detrimental degree, but I wasn't interested. It was a, just a joke they kept revisiting for no good reason Um, i think the purpose of it is they're trying to say like oh this is going to be emma roberts if she doesn't change who she is she's going to end up to being to be Kristen chenoweth you know just dating somebody but uh, it, it it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the movie it doesn't like the revelation that we're supposed to have is one that we knew we were gonna have before we even started the movie so yeah, I mean, the, the movie pretty much lays that out in the opening minutes that, like, yeah. you can't just waffle through your 30s without trying to settle down. I mean, you certainly can, but to this particular character, they made it very obvious that's not her goal in life. She wants to find a serious romantic relationship. So every other beat after that where she continually tries to just tell people, like, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not serious. I don't care. I can just have... One night stands is like we know you're lying. There's no yeah. The, there's no dramatic irony here when everyone knows you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, I, I think the conflict here is manufactured and very sort of superficial. You but know, it goes through the motions well enough that I didn't uh, get too bored. I don't think I looked at my phone all that much, and uh, I enjoyed it. There was one. There was one uh, B plot that I actually kind of enjoyed, uh, but it's a very small one. Um, but I really like Jessica, Jessica Capshaw, I think, um, and Alex Moffat. Uh, Is it the sister? Yeah, the married sister uh, with yeah. the, you know, four, did you say four kids? Is that what they said? I mean, I, I, I think yeah. four. I can't imagine somebody having four children. Wow. Why would you ever do that uh, to yourself? I just can't imagine. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's just masochistic at that point. Uh, there, was yeah, something, uh, there was something interesting and, and funny about her 
experience of that married a long time having kids relationship there was i don't know there was there was something there that was of the b plots at least a little bit uh, funny and interesting to me but i totally agree i yeah. thought the christian chenoweth uh side plot was a, a miss you know for the for the most part and even the um the brother right uh jake yeah. Manley, uh yeah i thought that was a little bit of a miss as well so but um but yeah yeah, overall, yeah, it just keeps keeps you interested enough and laughing enough to kind of go along with it. I did wonder how you guys felt uh, about the very purposeful uh, vulgarity of the movie. You know, the movie is very much saying, the very first word of the film is uh, is an f bomb. Right, right. And, and my and my first thought was going into this like this is going to be a cutesy, romantic holiday film on Netflix. This is not a Hallmark movie. This is absolutely no. very. I don't know if it's raunchy, but it's very adult. Definitely some crude humor. Um, and there's some blood for lack of a, a you know, more spoilery uh, <laughs> right. sort of description. Sure. sure. Yeah. And, um, I kind of enjoyed that cause I was expecting something cutesy and it was a little bit more mature than that, which I appreciated. Yeah. What did you yeah, think, Andrew? Is... How did, how did that impact you as far as the, the, you know, because it's definitely making a point to say like it, you, you can tell it's a very purposeful decision on their part to be like, oh no, we're going to be Not your mama's holiday. Right. Movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I honestly had no idea that's the kind of movie I was watching. And honestly, that might be one of the reasons why it's up there for me and like a closer to a like it because I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, I'm just not going to be asleep during this. There's actually going to be moments where I, if I pay attention, I'm going to laugh, you know, but uh, it's still, they, they, there's too much paint by numbers for me to care enough about this movie because I've seen a thousand of these movies before. I think I felt that even the vulgarity was a little paint by numbers. Like I, I felt like even the the way this this movie decided to you know push the boundaries or whatever, it didn't feel especially fresh to me. It just it, it just felt like hey we're going to be this kind of movie so we can do this. It, it was kind of shades of um, you know uh, when X Men went rated you know R there for a second or you know wanted to push the. Yeah, I was going to say this reminded me a bit of uh, Bad Moms. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, a fair example as well. Which was like a pretty okay movie that sort of traded on the laurels of like, what if stay-at-home moms were swearing? Like that's that's <laughs> Can the pitch you imagine? Line. Can you imagine? Right, and that was sort of like a thirty-something woman who's dating also can swear and like uh -huh. say vulgar things and just okay. Yeah. Clutch <laughs> yeah. my pearls. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah exactly. Uh, I think it, it was the fact that it was a holiday rom-com is what caught me off guard to that sure. style of humor. Then I'm like, oh, okay, so. But yeah, if you just compare it to every other movie, it's nothing special. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're all landing. I think if you've already got Netflix, it's there for you. Um, so as far as like a recommendation, um, you know, if if you, if you want to laugh every once in a while and... You know, see these characters who you might care about a little bit. I think it's a, a good bit. date movie. My yeah. my wife enjoyed it about the same as I did. I think it's not going to offend anybody, and it's it's a good just throw it on before you go to sleep kind of a film. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Andrew, would you agree? Sure. All right. I've already forgotten about it. <laughs> what were we talking about again? Yeah. I forget. I forget. Uh, just ringing half-hearted endorsement. <laughs> uh, okay, right. whatever. Yeah, that's right. I guess. Uh, so that's Holiday on Netflix. Uh, let's move on to our next review. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a little little movie called Citizen Kane. Never heard of it. It isn't enough to tell us what a man did. You've got to tell us who he was. 
might have been a really great man. When a reporter is assigned to decipher newspaper magnets, Charles Foster Kane's dying words, his investigation gradually reveals the fascinating portrait of a complex man who rose from obscurity to staggering heights. Um, famously, this is AFI's number one movie of all time when they first did their top 100 list. It is also famous, famously many people's number one movie of all time. It is... Uh, kind of a, a hindsight growth that this movie has had. Uh, certainly it was, I think, respected by some when it came out, but uh, as far as the... It was not a critical darling. No, no, it was not. Very uh, ahead of Mostly time. Casablanca that year. It's And it's in hindsight that you see how much of the innovation of this movie really changed cinema, and that's why a, a lot of people will, will qualify it as a number one or certainly up there uh, in their movies. Um, before we get to the liked it, loved it, uh, disliked it, hated it, or it was just okay... Um, let me ask, let me ask when the first time you saw Citizen Kane was, um, Jonathan, why don't you, why don't you go first? When was the first time you remember watching this movie? I first saw Citizen Kane in high school as part of my media literacy class. Um, the same guy who taught me how to use a video camera and edit, um, video got me into video production. I think my junior year of high school, he started the first year. He's been doing it now for almost 20, uh, media literacy where we looked at old classics and took a critical look at news and the way it portrays things in the media. Uh, the kind of thing that in 2003, 2004 was sort of very front of the line these days, I think everybody deserves that kind of education. And I remember sort of watching it as homework more than anything. I was like, okay, this is an old movie. I know it's supposed to be important. And I know I'm supposed to respect it and admire it for this, this, and this. Um, but I genuinely kind of dug it. And revisiting it as an adult 15 years later, I, I think it definitely holds up. And I guess we'll get to our proper opinion in a minute yeah yeah andrew yeah, what for me for me a while i was probably uh 16 or so when i first saw it andrew when's the first time you uh, remember seeing citizen came same uh i was in uh what do you, uh high school it was part of my film history class there you go and uh uh i just remember watching it going okay yeah this is a pretty good movie i think even then even though i was in high school i didn't understand the uh everything that this movie was doing and how I should have appreciated it, even at the time now, granted, upon multiple viewings of this movie, uh, I have, you know, taken or seen things that are like, oh, okay, it's interesting they did that. Even this most recent time, maybe the, uh, I, I'm still picking up on things. Maybe this is just one of those movies, no matter how many times you see it, you're going to find something new to appreciate about it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so you I were in high school back then yeah i was in high school i think back then i was like uh yeah it's a it's a fun movie but come on let's go watch black hawk down that's coming out soon <laughs> right <laughs> or, or oceans 11 you know yeah or zoolander i was i was much older and it's one of the reasons i i asked the question um i don't remember watching this movie until after afi released their list and it was then that i was like you know what if I'm going to call myself a movie lover of any kind, I I really have to check this one off. Like you know, so they've this released is... a li they've released the list twice in '97 and then 2007, and I believe it was number one on both iterations. Correct. Did you watch it then in '97 or 2000? No, it would have been it would have been after the '97 list, okay. like a few years. Uh, it wasn't okay. like I I saw that list and was you know immediately running to check them off, sure. but you know probably in the early 2000s. 
Um, so, you know, I would have been in my uh, later 20s, probably when I saw this for the first time. Um, and it was, uh, it was really eye opening, and I was really glad, you know, that I saw it. So, um, but coming to it later, I've had mixed experiences with coming to classic movies later. Um, we talked a little bit uh, about that in the uh, members only pre-show. Um, you know, talking about like Lawrence of Arabia or, you know, some of those classic movies, and uh, and even this last year when we've done some of our list of shame episodes, Andrew. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I come to Full Metal Jacket, uh, you know, so many years later and I just go, I don't quite see the same thing everybody sees uh, in hindsight with this movie. Um, so, you know, the, I've had mixed experience with that, but not with this movie. Uh, Citizen Kane, you know, blew me away right from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's safe to say uh, I am still firmly, firmly, firmly in the loved it category. Uh, what about you, John? Uh, high side of loved it. This yeah. is uh, an absolute masterpiece uh, front to bottom start to finish uh there are very few flaws i find anywhere in this picture um personally it's not probably in my top 10 um because i prefer movies that are maybe more rewatchable more action adventure kind of spectacle but just from like an objective film criticism standpoint like there is absolutely nothing wrong with citizen kane i love it yeah what's your where do you land andrew uh, I'm lower than you guys, but not by much. I'm in the really liked it. Um, it's it's not my top hundred movies of all time. Uh, I know it's one of those movies where like I'm seeing it and I'm and I know what I'm watching is masterful. But there's something in a movie that would like make your top hundred movies of all time that just makes you go, I am immersed. Mm -hmm. in this in this i don't feel immersed whenever i'm watching citizen kane personally i appreciate and i understand like oh orson wells is killing it. he's given one of the best performances ever oh this is if there's a movie ever i would consider a uh, a perfect dive into the evolution of a character this would probably be the one i would go okay yeah watching a character go from here to there this is it's citizen kane it's a timeless movie but it's just not a movie that makes me go, I need to watch Citizen Kane again. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because sometimes when movies change cinema, you can't help but watch them in hindsight and go, yeah, I've seen that in so many other movies. Well, yeah, because he invented it. It's, it <laughs> you know, like I, I think one of the, the, the smallest little bits of trivia, but one that kind of blows me away, that Citizen Kane was among the first, if not the first, uh, major Hollywood film to show ceilings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like just just showing the ceiling of a set was like, of course people do that. Yeah, now they do. In 1941, when 26 year old Orson Welles decided to lower the camera into the floorboards and shoot up towards the ceiling, people had never seen that. You look at any movie from the mm -hmm. 30s and 40s, anything with Cary Grant or Clark Gable, these big epics or even lower budget films. They were on sound stages and sets, and they just had 20-foot ceilings with lights up there. Mm -hmm. Orson yeah. was like, let's bring that down to seven feet, where they usually are in these old New York office buildings, and let's put, like, mesh sheets up there and put the lights above that, and you won't be able to tell the difference. And you get some really inventive angles, and it's the kind of thing that we totally take for granted now. That, yeah, of course, they're in a closed set with real ceilings and walls. But that was something that was like literally unheard of in the in the early forties. It's mm -hmm. it, it is one of those movies you watch, and I'm just I'm not only so impressed by 
some of those choices, those visual choices, like the the ceilings or the framing or the way he plays with distance. Uh, there's there's a scene where um, Kane walks to a window in the background, and when they're in the foreground talking, it just looks like a normal window that's maybe about five feet away from them. But as he starts to walk to the background, you realize it's like 50 feet away, and it's a giant window. You know, like yeah. just some of those things I just watch, and I'm just so impressed by. And then not only that, but I continue to be impressed by how intentional they all are to the story. You know, how much they're supposed to make us feel. Uh, even looking up at the ceiling is supposed to make us feel like this man is towering over us. You know, like this, you know, that there's a presence to this human being. And just that they're, those kind of intentional visual storytelling choices, they just weren't as big of a part of, of movie making then. There was some of that. Certainly Hitchcock was doing some of that and, and many others were as well. But it just, you know, he, he found a way to just really explore that in in just some really interesting ways. So I continue to be struck I, I every time I see it. In terms from cinematography, every frame of this is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. He plays with shadows and lighting really well. The primary sort of narrative vehicle that we <clears throat> witness the screenplay through uh, this newspaper reporter, uh, Mr. Thompson, who is the one that tries to investigate uh, Kane's last words, we never see his face. The entire movie, he is meant to be, you know, our proxy as the audience. Mm -hmm. So we don't actually ever see him. The entire film, he's in shadow, his back is to the camera, and everyone else sort of comes in and out of shadow and lighting, and they play with distance and blocking really well, where you'll get frames. Someone's in the extreme close-up, there's two people in, like, the middle ground, and then someone else, equally as important, completely in focus, but 100 feet away, and uh, Orson plays with, like, the deep focus shots so well in this. Uh, and you don't see that kind of like long uh, frame photography that much anymore. But I really love the way that look looks mm -hmm. and the way he frames so many shots around like these crowded, uh, you know, medium close-ups and stuff. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, uh, the opening is the, the you know, the, the partial zoom into, um, you know, the house. And I just became very aware of how the lit window was staying at the exact same place in the yes. frame every time it made a movement. And I was just like, oh, I see what we're doing here. We're playing with genius. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I see what's going on here. I, uh, I think the word you used a minute ago was intentional. Like every yeah. single edit, every cut, every framing, every decision of where to place the shadows and the light, all that's intentional for a purpose. And um, if you can figure it all out, uh, you're probably as smart as, you know, Orson Welles, but... I think just being able to appreciate that there's clearly something better and more intelligent at work here than the average film is the kind of thing that it's like, okay, this is impressive. I don't entirely understand all the choices, but I'm moved by them in a way that I can't quite articulate. So we can transition from kind of kind of the, you know, the technical movie dirt nerddom kind of, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, look into this movie to the actual story uh, because that is valuable to explore as well because a movie can be both be innovative and also not tell a great story or it can do both and i do think this movie does both um but yeah what are what are some of your observations just on the actual you know the plot the acting you know how is how does this story hit you watching it again uh that's the latest time andrew why don't you start this is why this movie is not in the lovely category for me is because i don't think that the story in this is one that is worth revisiting uh, it it's a story. I don't want to say it's a storyless movie, but it's an like I said earlier on, it's an evolution <clears throat> of character. So watching, we're watching a man transcend, you know, from 
rags to riches to almost a deity in his, you know, pro or in his profession. And uh, how that, with that great power, uh, can lead to madness and stuff like that. So watching his mental faculties, you know, uh, crumble under the weight of his brilliance, even, you could say. Uh, so whenever you say, what do I think of the story? Uh, I'm like, uh, the story is, watch, watch this man live his life. And uh, there's not much to uh, expect or... Uh, you just you're just along for the ride really yeah yeah jonathan any thoughts um of the i think nine oscars it was nominated for uh original screenplay was the only one that it actually took home and <laughs> i think right rightly so um there's a reason why we're getting this uh mankowitz movie in a couple weeks on netflix uh the screenplay i think is brilliant and it's so inventive in its nonlinear approach with these like overlapping intercutting flashbacks that are told completely out of sequence. We start at his death, and then we jump to, like, the 1920s, then back to the 1860s, then up to the 1890s, and then to the 1930s again. Like, the way that they rearrange everything, you definitely have to pay attention to keep track of, like, who is the narrator for this section of the film? Right. When does this take place? Where in Kane's evolution is this? And the screenplay addresses a lot of those potential hurdles by beginning the film with like a 10-minute trailer of Kane's entire life where they just outline his entire life and all of the scandals, all of the pitfalls and promise of his entire career in the opening 10 minutes. So that later in the film, it's like, oh, okay, so we're at the point of his life where he got divorced and he had a scandal. Okay, I remember that from the beginning. They've already outlined what you need to know as the framework. So when you jump around later, you have sort of road marks. And mm -hmm. I can't think of another movie that tells you the entire story in the first 10 minutes and then Trumbled spreads it, it out and explains it again. And everything this does from a narrative uh, perspective, using the different narrators and the different flashbacks, is again one of those things that like, I think I've seen other movies like that today, but 80 years ago, that was like yeah, completely new. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the way it plays with narrative. I think I'm somewhere uh, somewhere in between um, kind of the two thoughts that you guys gave. I, I think the story, it's not that it's its weak point. I just, if this was a movie that did not innovate in the way that it does and did not, and again, this is a hypothetical that does not exist because this is a movie that innovates the way that it does and tells us the story the way that it does. But in, a, in, the, in the hands of a different director, in the hands of somebody not as willing to be uh, to play around with it, do those kind of things, um, I, I think this is just, it's, it's an okay movie that, that tells the, you know, the story of how power corrupts and how, you know, power, um, you know, can be a bad thing. And that's not, that's not a terrible tale to tell. It's an important, you know tale to tell through time i think i think that is an interesting thought experiment though that what if the narrative of citizen kane is sequenced completely linearly yeah it started you know as his boyhood house uh sledding out back and his parents give him up to the bank or whatever and then we just watch his life progress and the folly of his hubris brings him down at the end and then his dying last words are rosebud and the movie sort of ends right after that like that would be an interesting story but i think without the narrative weaving and bobbing and without some of the technical accomplishments. Mm -hmm. I think you're right, Aaron. I think it would be like, okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Like other movies from the 40s I've seen and appreciated, but wouldn't necessarily, you know, praise or recommend. 
like this one. How do we feel about Wells' performance as Kane? Stellar. Oh, he's great. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that's it's, what, it's he's what carries the movie for me. He's 26 years old in this. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine accomplishing anything to this degree when I was that age, let alone playing himself at every age from 26 to, what, 70 or whatever. Uh, he pulls it off. Like, you watch this and you, you think you're watching a man with, like, worlds of experience and, like, nah, he's fresh out of college. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's yeah. making this up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I was trying to think of a of an example of somebody who tried to do something this expansive at that age, and I was trying to remember. And I'm looking it up right now, but trying to remember how oh, old uh, DiCaprio was when he did Aviator. Um, and I, I can't. I think that was like 2004. He was like thirty. He was like thirty or thirty one when he did Aviator. He was thirty. He was thirty. Yeah, he was thirty when he did Aviator. So. That's kind of close, you know, to because that that is a similar undertaking, right? To to play that breadth of a life in in you know that kind of way. Um, yeah. But I think Wells pulls it off better. The than, excellent than makeup, did. the excellent makeup, uh, I think definitely sells a lot of this. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. and, and never once in the film do you think he looks like old Biff from Back to the Future. He never looks <laughs> like it. they just caked on some stuff. Right, right, yeah. Um, he lit, And maybe a lot of that is the lighting and the black and white photography hides a lot of those blemishes. But but uh, Wells legitimately looks like he's sort of a portly, middle-aged, 50s balding man for most of this film, and you buy it. Yeah. Even though, no, he's like a fresh-faced 20-something kid mm-hmm. with a yeah. full head of hair. And they do so well at at making him look the part that I think his performance sort of seals the deal on it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we do, we still do have you know Wunderkind you know directors uh, that that you know kind of show uh, show the old guys how it's done. Um, uh, recently- actually, that leads me into, uh, to a question I have for you guys. Yeah, sure, actually, sure. Two questions. Uh, the first question is: Will we ever get another Citizen Kane, like uh, a movie that we would define as the greatest of all time? And has that movie already been directed? Yeah, I, I mean, think the answer is yeah. Now, now, are you uh, framing that from like an auteur perspective, like a one man, one vision? He just goes for the fences and he sure. knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Or something like an Avengers Endgame that sort of redefines the entire zeitgeist of cinema from a sort of blockbuster apparatus. No, I think it, following the uh, the same like a I guess you could say blueprint of what Citizen Kane yeah. did, like a one man like directs a tour de force movie that is. That after many years, people will go back and go, wait, oh, no, wait, no, that's the greatest movie of all time. Uh, that's a really tricky question. Yeah, so it's either, really either hard. Do you, so either do you think that movie has already been made besides Citizen Kane, or do you think we ever will see a movie that does that again? So here's here's the difficult thing. Things, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum. There are certainly biases in in things that impact all of us. Uh, that will continue to build upon themselves, and you know the fact that that Hollywood was so young when this was made is w- a lot of what this has going for it. You know, a, a movie that's made in 1990 or 2010, it's just never going to be seen in the same way because movies have been around a hundred years and had already kind of piled up the history and the understanding of of things. Now, having said that. Uh, one of the categories that I love to use for certain kinds of movies, uh, I call them seismic movies, uh, movies that change the landscape. And, mm. you know, different movies have a diff- different, you know, rating on the Richter scale for how they do that. And Citizen Kane definitely registered very high on the seismic ri- Richter scale. It changed movies. 
Um, but so did movies like uh, Toy Story. Is a seismic right. movie, you know. I mean, you yeah. think of the billions and billions of dollars made on digital animation now, and for Pixar to be the first to go, "Hey, we're going to make a whole movie with ones and zeros telling the story." <laughs> it's like, you know, that's a seismic movie, right? Will it ever be considered as great as Citizen Kane? No, because it came, you know, ninety years into movies being a thing. It's, but maybe five hundred years from now, that'll seem fairly young. You know, like I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to tell. Um, Matrix is another one, a very seismic mm. movie, definitely changed, you know, a lot. Um, so yeah, I think there are movies that continue to have impact on how movies are made, how we tell stories, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Pulp Fiction is probably one of those movies too. Uh, so, but it's, but it's just so hard to think of those movies being elevated to this level because it's just, the recency is too, too difficult. I think Jaws and Star Wars are definitely in that conversation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and recently, I feel like Jordan Peele's Get Out might not be in the greatest of all time, but from like an auteur perspective of like debut directorial mm-hmm. uh, outing that kind of has this like bold vision that no one's ever seen before, that shook up a lot of things. I, I That's a, yeah, it's a really interesting question. And I don't know that we'll ever have that much of a sort of seismic wave again. Right, because of how far out into the ocean we already are, you need a big, big splash at this point to really do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and may- maybe that we don't have any of those, you know, bullets left in the chamber, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, those the- are some interesting answers, but the correct answer was uh, Damien Chazelle and Whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Honestly, I almost, I, I, one hundred percent believe that uh, Whiplash, Whiplash will will be go will go down as the next Citizen Kane because Damien Chazelle was twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, when he, when he made flash. it, I think he was 29 when it came out. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was he was 27, I think, when he made it. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, I thought of it. I, I thought about mentioning Chazelle and Whiplash. Um, it's just again, it's so hard to to have that perspective and really think 100 years from now, are people going to look back at Whiplash? Because it's not like Orson Welles had a crazy career after this either. Like you know, it's not like he had hit no, after hit after hit. I think his next hit. film was The Magnificent Ambersons and. I don't know many people that have seen that outside right. of, you know, film nerds like myself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't go on to become this, you know, cult icon with huge, you know, box office returns after this. Yeah. He kind of, he wasn't a one wonder, uh, but. Yeah. Touch of Evil. And uh, that's probably the other big one that people know him from. Sure. But, uh. I wanted to read uh, a couple comments, uh, and I'm not going to put them live on the screen because I think they would cover up Jonathan, and we want to make sure, you know, Jonathan, we can see your face. Uh, But somebody said, I've actually never seen Citizen Kane. I've just never had the desire. Feels more like homework than actual entertaining movie watching to me. Boy, I get that feeling. I know that feeling of I'm going to have to do homework and watch this thing. Um, So so a a good framing of that then is how do we recommend a movie like this? Mm-hmm. Right. Without it seeming like Homer, because I want everyone to appreciate it and love it as much as I do, or at least say they've seen it so they could form their own opinion, even if they don't like it. But how do you recommend a movie that is so critically lauded without making it feel like it's obligatory? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think you know if the if being entertained is kind of what you're fearing will be missing. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to negate that feeling because this is a movie that was made a long time ago and we are the way we have developed uh entertainment is so much more 
uh, active now than it used to be. So I, I don't know that I can tell you you will be quote unquote entertained. I am, but that's partially because I'm noticing the the visual gymnastics that are going on. You know, I had moments in this movie and this kind of takes you out of a movie sometimes when you have, you know, my brain. But, you know, I'm like, how how did the camera get there and is looking at the things that it's looking at now? Like what kind of things were happening in the background to move that table and then quickly move it back in, you know, into frame and just like. There's some great breakaway furniture ooh, in this film. A lot of model man. work. Yeah. Paintings. I have to shout out. It's my it's one of the coolest scenes in the movie. And it's the scene. I think it's the very first scene of the movie where the camera's panning in. And it goes through the window into mm-hmm. the house. Yeah, yeah, that's never been done before. And maybe yeah. that is how you could recommend this movie to people. You could be like, okay, you know this movie that you love. You know this movie you love. This movie. And just list off all the movies you know a person would love. Tell them, those movies wouldn't exist if it weren't for the breakthroughs of Citizen Kane. And then maybe vicariously they can bring those that excitement that they have and love for those other movies. And while they're watching it, they're like, oh, I see where this came in. Or I see where this uh, such and such movie got this from, you know? And it could just... The, so their love could be, uh, I guess you could say, like, uh, like uh, ev- I can see the understood evolution of or, this or and understood, like, oh, I yeah. understand why this movie did all these things. And because of that understanding, it brings a, a level of love and appreciation for it. But if, I, you go into this movie, I, if you go into this movie just wanting to go, yeah, I, I need to see Citizen Kane just so I can say I've seen Citizen Kane. Yeah, then it's homework. I, I would say a really helpful prerequisite for this is if you're in the mood and you have the time spend a week watching movies from the 1930s and early 1940s first then put citizen kane Mm. on and you'll be blown away by how more modern this feels citizen kane looks and feels like a movie that came out a couple years ago there is a scene uh without spoiling too much uh, but again it is an 80 year old film uh where citizen kane runs for election and loses and his own owned newspaper runs a headline that says kane loses elect or uh, Kane, I forget what the top line says, but the bottom part of the headline says fraud at polls because he didn't win the election and his own paper won't call the election. That seems remarkably prescient. That seems exactly mm. like we're living through right now in America. And this was 80 years ago. He had the, the, the foresight to come up with some of these ideas about power and how that corrupts. And you compare that to some of the other narratives of that era they're not nearly as relevant today as the movies like Citizen Kane or or some of its other contemporaries. So I think if you go through a bunch of film in chronological order, Citizen Kane's going to seem like a, a seismic leap forward in in every way possible, at least from a technical. I love that you brought that scene up. I, I'm I was I was hoping we talk about it because it certainly does stand out with everything that's going on now. And one of the things I love about that scene is it comes after the election, but we still don't know the results of the election. And that scene is to tell us the results of his election. And the first thing we see is the front page that says Kane wins, you know, um, voters are heard or something like that, you know. And then they set that one down and go, well, I guess we're going with this one. And it says Kane wins fraud at the polls. And it's just it's perfect. Like, it's just this perfect encapsulation of the the power of the press and and yeah and all that stuff it's just it's really great movie making i i think what i would say is uh understand the type of entertainment you're getting yourself into and it's not the same as type of entertainment as infinity war uh it is it is very different um but you can still be entertained somebody else in the comments said i've yet to see this mostly because the praise is so high i'll overestimate it and be disappointed by it 
Um, I yeah. get that feeling too. I totally understand that, you know, uh, I call that prestige pressure. You know, the idea of I have to hmm. love this thing because it's, it has so much prestige to it. And Can I just oh, say, I Aaron? You, I thought I, you meant that the movie had to be as good as the, uh, t- uh, Christopher Nolan's The Prestige for you yes, to love it. Yes, yeah, that's what I meant by it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be as good as that. Uh, like Aaron, can I just say, I love that you have cute little names for every little nuanced <laughs> reaction or experience. I, I'm going to borrow some of these. They're great. And I think for me that that prestige pressure definitely exists. When I first watched uh, Lawrence of Arabia just earlier this summer, it was mm-hmm. one of the highest rated movies on my list of shame. And I finally decided I'm going to block out four hours and I'm going to finally watch this. I had to get my mind into a, a mindset of, okay, I want to appreciate this. I want to really understand why it is so critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. And I want to sort of allow myself to accept it for what it is without that pressure. Um, and if you can kind of trick your brain into just allowing yourself to like it, regardless of whether or not it is good. Right. Um, hopefully you can kind of go into a Citizen Kane experience without the pressure and just be wowed by, you know, storytelling and technical yeah. accomplishments or just great makeup and acting. You know, yeah. there's a lot of things in here I think even objectively you can't fault. Yeah, just let the movie do what it's going to do. And, you know, worst case scenario, you lost a couple hours of your life. That's, you know, you know percentage-wise, hopefully that's not too much. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't even think we need to go through the recommend part. Obviously we all recommend this movie. Um, but yeah, find your own way into it. If you've never seen it, uh, find a way that you can be at peace with just watching it and letting it be whatever it is. And, uh, and I think you'll, you'll come out the other side, at least happy you marked it off the list, if nothing else. Um, so there you go. That is our, uh, our very timely review of Citizen Kane. Yeah, once you see it, you can log in and tell us all why we're wrong. <laughs> That's right. 70, 79 years late, guys, but we yeah, did it. We, we finally got Citizen around Kane. to Citizen Kane. We, we made it happen. This uh, is what the uh, the social I has been waiting for, is us three mm-hmm. to, uh, yeah, to sit yeah. down and tell them that, yeah, Citizen Kane is good. I think there's actually a footnote in the AFI list, like we're still awaiting the Pop review, but we're pretty mm. sure this is number one. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that little asterisk. If we had um, given, yeah. if we had put all of our weight behind Casablanca, would that have? I think so. Of... I think so. Um, Hollywood waits on pins and needles for the Sif Pop thoughts. So, I, I know. where do you think uh, on the AFI list, Holiday is going to land? Holiday? Oh, that's a great yeah. question. Low nineties, at least. Yeah. Low nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, before we head into our best ever challenge, uh, another thank you to our Sif Pop members. We could not do this without you. Um, it is it is appreciated and humbling that you would throw a couple bucks our way every month. Um, really does mean the world to us. It helps us keep doing this. Uh, helps us with the ability to uh, get equipment to stream live now. The ability to pay for the monthly uh, streaming fees, all that kind of stuff, uh, comes from our amazing Sif Pop members. If you enjoy the show and you kind of want to look at what some of the perks are, just go to uh, the Patreon, Patreon.com/siftpop. S-I-F-T-P-O-P patreon.com slash sifpop and uh, thank you again for checking that out all right let's head on to our best ever challenge uh this week we are going to do best ever christmas movies of the 2010s uh have there been good recent christmas movies and jonathan very firmly saying no this will be an interesting uh, uh top five uh, and we will go uh, from number five to number one and uh, kind of go a long way. Now, Jonathan, you've been with us before on this. We do Trump uh, choices when we have yep. them uh, higher. Uh, so if you do hear something you want to talk about later because you have it higher, just let us know. Sure. And uh, and we'll go about it that way. Um, 
I think this is one of those best ever challenges that does maybe not require, but could benefit from a little kind of pre-talk about it because Jonathan, you're not wrong. Uh, I was, I actually put this category out there before I had done the research, which is a very, you know, dangerous thing to do. Usually I'll do a little <laughs> bit of research, uh, to make sure that the, the category is, you know, fat enough to pull some stuff from. And I was, I was actually really surprised how thin it was. Um, yes. And, Very thin. And why do you guys think that is? Before we get into this, why why has nobody made it, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but why have so few great holiday movies been made uh, in the last 10 years? What do you think, Andrew? Um, Here's a little preface for you. I don't even have five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I have not seen, but from the, uh, the prerequisites that are given to us, a uh, Christmas movie within the last 10 years, within the 2010s, I have not seen five. Have I, seen I, I struggled. My I've list is barely. Three. My list isn't really so much a top five, so much as a, the only five. Yeah, uh, there might be a. I think Daddy's Home with Mark Wahlberg. And, I think and, that would uh, count. Well, yeah, I think that kind of counts as as a Christmas movie. Um, so I guess we'll throw that in my honorable mentions. But like, yeah, very thin and slim pickings. And to answer your question, Aaron, I think um, more than any other holiday. People want to go back to the well. They want to go back to their That's favorites, it. their classics. They're going to watch um, It's a Wonderful Life for the 30th time. I'm going to go back and watch Die Hard for the 20th time. People love Home Alone and A Christmas Story and The Santa Claus. Those movies are all 20, 30, 40 years old at this point. Uh, it takes a long time, I think, for Christmas movies to enter that sort of mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, collection that we consider classic. And movies in the last 10 years aren't there yet. Yeah. And I think of the movies that have been coming out in the last 10 years in that genre, almost all of them are Hallmark movies that are never going to be anybody's favorite. They're mm -hmm. just, let's put them on TV so you have something on in the background while you're putting up lights. Like, it's not, uh, they're not making new family-friendly classics. They're just making room for commercials. Yeah. 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 It, I think it, Elf was the last one that people would go. Yeah, I, I was going to say, honestly. The most recent, like, the most recent one that's kind of, gotten into that classic mindset i think is elf i think that's one a lot of people yeah. do watch on repeat and, and that's uh, 17 years old now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> the only one after that that i thought of that almost made it into the 2010s was the uh jim carrey um cg ebenezer scrooge that movie uh, is wait was that within the last 10 years that was 2009 i think okay uh, when i was looking at, i know a lot of people really like that one and do rewatch that, that one, movie's so. messed up <laughs> it's, it's no, crazy. I'm not even. I'm not kidding. That movie is dark and messed up. It is creepy. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are a couple. I, Polar Express is kind of that way too, where a lot of people love it and watch it and stuff. But it is. It's hard to watch because of the technology. It was. Um, well, they they released it right when. Yeah. They shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of like the uncanny valley, like right. you were at the bottom of that valley. Like, don't try. You do not have it figured out yet. You're. You do not have the technology to make this work. And at the time, when I saw it as like a teen, I was like, oh, this looks kind of fun. Looking back, just, yeah, the, the early CG stuff uh, doesn't hold up well. It really doesn't. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, we will, Andrew, we will just leave you out of it for the first couple of rounds then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we'll wait till we get to number three uh, for you. Um, so let's, uh, let's kind of work our way into it. Also, if you are watching live... Uh, feel free to let us know if we've missed any. Throw them in the chat. We'll talk about them after we've gone through our top five. Uh, any ones that you want to talk about. Uh, one that's already been mentioned twice in the chat uh, is my number five. So I will go ahead and start. And if you have it higher, that's fine as well, as I imagine some people do based on the 
comments in the chat. Um, but that's Arthur Christmas um, was definitely one that that I think deserves mentioning. It's really funny. It's really well done. I think it's 2011 um, and and is a lot of fun. So uh, if you haven't seen that one, that's one I can see kind of getting on people's uh, list because it's a, it's it is a lot of fun. So that's my number five. I'm going to add it to my watch list because I've never heard of it, and the fact I've never that, heard of it, uh, the fact that I haven't heard it of it immediately means I should check it out. Um, <laughs> my number five is a very recent film with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader, uh, mm-hmm. Noel. Yeah, I had that in my uh, honorable spelled, mentions. Yeah, I, I feel the bad about way. trumping because I only have three, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's kick it up. We'll wait. We'll wait, Andrew. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. We can wait. I watched it yesterday because my sister's like, "Hey, I would have had two on my list." <laughs> my sister's like, "Hey, sit, come over, uh, help us put up Christmas lights, and watch Noel with us." So, I think yeah. what I think what we're really learning is I, I really should just make sure I research before I announce a category. That is really the the life lesson for Aaron. But this here is today. still a valuable discussion. Sure, I of course. Of course. Too much. I don't well, want it to come across like I didn't really do my homework or didn't mm-hmm. try to watch enough movies. Like I looked really hard for like I, there has to be a movie even. So somebody could like mockingly say, "Oh, it's a Christmas movie," you know, but no, you know, nothing. You know which one blew my mind that has not been in the Christmas movie discussion that could be based on. I mean, if you're going the Die Hard route, where it you know takes place during Christmas and there's Christmas decorations, yeah. Princess Bride is a Christmas movie. That whole thing starts with a Christmas gift, and there are Christmas decorations all over their house. And you know, when you look outside, there's snow and lights on the houses and. All right, so I have a new number one. <laughs> yeah, well, Princess Bride didn't come out in the 2010s. Oh, so. oh crap, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I always find that I always find that uh, conversation <laughs> amusing. It always cracks me up when people are like, you know, you cannot count this as a Christmas movie, or you have to count this as a Christmas movie. Uh, all right, I guess we're on to my number four then, right? Is that, yeah. is that yes. right? Uh, my number four is a stretch, both because it's a stretch as a Christmas movie and also a stretch as a great movie. Uh, but I do enjoy it. There's enough about it I enjoy. And that is Iron Man 3. Um, okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> so <laughs> look at the look on Andrew's face. I can't, I can't in good conscience defend Die Hard as an all-time Christmas classic and not allow the addition of, of other films. Listen, Shane Black of... loves Christmas. He, like, you know, is very much a part of that movie. Uh, so Aaron knows yeah. how much I hate this movie. <laughs> yes, Andrew does not like, enjoy this movie I at all. hate Iron Man. I watched it. So I watched much. it opening night. I don't think I've seen it since. And I'm a huge, huge Avengers guy. Um, yeah, I remember it being pretty all right. There's a lot about it I didn't like the first time I watched it. Um I think I just I have fallen so deeply in love with that character that it's still yes. just a lot of fun to watch. Robert Downey Jr. makes it work. I think mm-hmm. with anyone else, it's sort of yeah, kind of a mess. It's kind of all over the place. I will Anyhow. say Ben Kingsley as the Mandalorian is whole or as the <laughs> the Mandalorian. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, he's the. But I think he's the funniest part of the whole movie, and is and is what makes it tolerable. I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so as a as a sign of how sparse this category is, allow me to present Iron Man three as my uh, my number four. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's your number four, then, uh, Jonathan. Uh, I will go with Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which Ooh. is a thirty minute Pixar short in the Frozen universe, where Olaf um, doesn't have a holiday celebration of his own, so he walks around Arendelle and asks everyone what their Christmas tradition is. Some people use menorahs, some people use Christmas trees, some people uh, bake fruitcakes, 
And he tries to come up with all this stuff so that he can present to Anna and Elsa their first Christmas, tra first Christmas tradition because now they're the sort of head of the kingdom. And it's like 28 minutes long. It's super cute. The music's fun. Animation's brilliant. And uh, my daughter loves it. She's three. So we've already watched it a few times uh, last Christmas. Probably watch it again soon. And again, with, with a category this thin, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, this counts. Absolutely. Sure, this go was for fun. it. Was this the one that people got upset because it was attached uh, to the beginning of a Pixar movie maybe or a Disney no, movie? No, that, that would have been Frozen Fever, which is only like a oh, five okay. minute. This okay. is this is like a full half hour. This is like a... Okay. I knew there was one that was that was too long. The people thought it was too long to have been a like a short yeah. before the movie and that it had something to do with Frozen. But, uh, but Oh, yeah. maybe this was. I don't know. I didn't think so. But uh, but I have not seen this. But I do love the Frozen universe, so maybe I should it's check fun. it out. It's it's cute. I think this is uh, a lot of people, at least guys our age, sort of uh, mockingly deride Olaf for being kind of an annoying side character that doesn't add anything mm -hmm. to the plot. In this movie, he's legitimately funny, and I laugh pretty regularly mm -hmm. at Josh Gad's performance. Mm. Um, so for whatever that's worth, Olaf is redeemable here. See, I got a little, little uh, Frozen yeah. snowball back there. There I you love, go. I Great. love Frozen. Um, that's one for the visual audience. Apologize, podcast listeners. I was pointing at my frozen balls. My frozen yeah. snowball. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, Andrew Ormsby, who gets to chime in now with his uh, number three, which we have uh, already heard, right? Your number three? Yeah, Noel. All right. I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no, I had I, it. I had it five out of five. Like it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's no, not this awful. Is, it's cute. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I just I don't like Christmas movies. That sounds bad, but like there there has to be something really Grinch, special. Boo. Yeah, really. I don't even like the Grinch. You know. Um, no, but it has to be something special and really have to deal with things other than Christmas. Like if Christmas is the main element of the movie like if you look at elf you know yes it's a christmas movie but it's also a movie about uh, a father-son relationship mm -hmm. you know there's something yeah. i can actually like sink my teeth into and like care about but yeah that's valid but this is just like oh no bill Hader doesn't want to be santa and he's santa so uh anna kendrick you better do something and uh <laughs> yeah 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 i, know I, I, I hear you I think for me, Bill and, and Anna are both just so fun and cute and mm -hmm. adorable. Yep. I love both of them in anything. I'll pretty much watch Anna Kendrick in anything she does. Same with Bill Hader. And um, I, 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 yeah, again, I don't want to say this is like a fantastic movie that's super entertaining. But um, it's on Netflix. It's, it's free to watch. Check it out. It's, yeah. It's pretty okay. Yeah, it's yep. good. No worse than Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great. About point. right on par with that. I give. I, I think I'd give both of them like a five or six out of ten. Like they're just okay. I'd yeah. rather watch Holiday than than Noel. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right. So that was my number three. Uh, so I guess I'm next with my number three, and I'm going with a comedy. Uh, the night before uh, is in Trump! my number three. Oh, okay. We're getting trumped <laughs> by Andrew. All right. Fair enough. What's your sorry? Number? Only three on my list. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, Jonathan? Uh, I have the animated uh, Grinch from 2018. That was in my honorable mentions. It's not bad. And I think this movie sort of made good on all of the failed promise of the Jim Carrey live action from 2000, 
which for all of its quirkiness, uh, Ron Howard, I don't think could save. It, it, it exists for me in a weird space where mm-hmm. it, it looks too weird to appreciate. Well, and, and the character is so weird in that movie. And yeah. just there's some there's some weird sexual tension in that movie. that it, is, It's bizarre. It yeah, really is. It is really this bizarre. This animated version, I think, it nails the tone. It nails the character. And because it's animated, I'm not like hideously like uh, um, just I'm not revolted by what I'm looking at the whole time. Uh, all of the Who people in the Ron Howard version are just like, I don't need to see Clint Howard with a nose like this. This is this is very disturbing to me. Animated I version, like it's really movie. cute. It, it has good it has good music in it. I think the animation's great. Um, so already two of my films are are animated because if we're talking <laughs> about Christmas films, I think inherently I want to be able to watch them with my family. And right now that skews very young. So yeah, I'm picking another sort of young kids film. No, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. Uh, on to our number twos. What do you got, Andrew? Krampus. Really? I, I now to I've, be fair, I haven't I've seen this. I've seen so. three, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually like Krampus. I think it was uh, maybe it's just my whole down with the, the with the patriarchy of holiday cheer and goodness and good tides to your fellow men. And I just wanted to see evil Santa kill people. Fair so, enough the simple things I, I in actually life. Th- I think I think Krampus is a fun movie okay so I remember that. enjoying it I, I actually don't I didn't know that was even this past decade I thought that was like 2008 or 9 how old is that I was like 13 2013 or 14 I have like no concept of time yeah. <laughs> none it's of gone. us do right now none of it's us do <laughs> yeah I I did not see it uh I will admit I did not see Krampus. yeah you did did I yeah <laughs> we we reviewed well, it on the show did we really you know yeah, well, you and I went and saw it together. Well, then uh, that'll tell you how, how I felt about it. It clearly <laughs> left a lasting impact. No, right. actually, Aaron Ar- actually came out of the movie going, oh, man, that was fun. And Aaron just looked at me and he shook his head. <laughs> and that was the I last he thing. ever thought about it. I, you're not wrong. I have this thing where the negative things that happen in my life, I don't know if it's just part of my <laughs> personality, the optimism or whatever, I, I genuinely forget negative things. Gen- like, they genuinely go away, and that includes movies. And if you I probably live a much happier life than most people. I think I do. Yeah, seriously. But, <laughs> but sometimes it bites A lot you. of people pay good money for therapy that teaches them exactly that. So. Fair enough. Yeah, really. I can only focus <laughs> on the things that depress and frighten me. <laughs> I, I, and I will have conversations with my kids or my wife where they'll be like, you don't remember this argument we had? I was like, no, because we had a resolution, and then I left all that behind me. Like, I just, you know... And I just, my brain just doesn't hold on to it. So, sorry, Krampus. I, I apologize. I forgot that I had experienced you. Forgotten like a bad fight. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right, my number two then. Uh, my number two is The Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, this I, is a solid pick. This almost I made my list. I really like this movie. Um, and it is, I think what I like about it is not just Dan Stevens, who I think is great, uh, continues to do really a broad uh, work, you know, he's he's done a lot of different things. He was um, in the guest, right? Was he? Yeah, maybe. Um, I first saw him on Downton Abbey. Uh, in I know him from Beauty and the Beast, and I then Beauty and the Beast, I know him from and, Legion. Then, and then Legion. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, he continues to show up in in, in wild different places. Uh, and he's great here, as is the cast around him. But even more importantly than that, I learned a lot from this movie. I didn't know I had stuff to learn about Christmas. And this this movie really kind of goes into how the idea of Christmas holiday and when we celebrate it is actually a fairly recent invention. 
Um, and I did not realize that. And so, yeah, I, I found it educational. I found it interesting and I found it entertaining. And, you know, that's a that's a triple threat that, that works for me. So if you haven't checked it out, I, I would highly recommend it. Um, the Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, Jonathan, what about your number two? My number two, uh, this is one, I think, the first on my list I can really recommend and endorse. Right. Here to four, they've been kind of like, oh, whatever, I guess I have sure. to pad out the list. Uh, Christmas Chronicles. It was a Netflix movie two years ago with Kurt Russell as sort of like a, a badass Santa Claus. He's sort of a little more like rough and tumble version. Um, I think he rides a motorcycle at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a scene his, where he... <laughs> does he have this hateful white beard? <laughs> uh, kind, almost. I mean, it's Kurt, Kurt Russell has one of the best heads of hair, I think, in Hollywood. The man yeah. looks fantastic. I think he's now in his mid-60s. And as Santa, there's something about the way he looks that's like, yes, I believe this. This is a real man who is Santa and clearly just gets down and dirty with everything he needs to do for that career, whatever you want to call it. And it has a mythos to it and a world building that I really appreciated. It reminded me a lot of the Santa Claus uh, with Tim Allen, where it kind of creates this backstory to the character that's routed in realism and like science in a weird way, where they try to explain how things work. It's like, we don't need you to explain Santa. The whole thing is mm-hmm. this great mythos and this legend, but they actually try to put uh, you know explanations to it in a way that was funny and entertaining. And I thought the movie was legitimately the first of the decade, I think for me, that will be a classic 15, 20 years from now. Yeah. And yeah. they've already greenlit a sequel. So hopefully um, we get to you know hear more about it. I've heard good things. I, I have not had a chance to check this one out. So uh, I will definitely get it, get it on my list for, for this holiday season because I have heard good things about it. Um, and it's, it's good to hear a, a recommendation for it. So yeah, the Christmas con. You said it's on Netflix? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, Christmas Chronicles. Nice. Time for our number ones, um, which means... That these movies should have all won Oscars. They should be considered yes. amongst the best movies of all time. Um, you yeah, know, these best are, of the decade. That's right. These are, these are number one movies right here. Uh, and yeah. Andrew, you're kicking us off with uh, one I have at number three, I think. Yep, The Night Before. Um, it's a fun movie. It's not great. Uh, I do think that what saves this movie and what really makes it like up there for me is how funny Seth Rogen is in this. As well as uh, Michael, uh, what's his what's his name now? The night before starring Anthony Mackie's in this, right? Yeah, it's Anthony yeah, Mackie, Anthony, it's and Anthony Seth Mackie, Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. Uh, Michael Shannon as the go. drug dealer. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, was so funny. But no, uh, the whole uh, Seth Rogen when he goes to the church and he's high on and he's like tripping and stuff like that. Really, really funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is top shelf humor right there yeah taking mushrooms and going to church for for christmas mass that's if you don't get you don't get more high class than that that is that is this movie and uh and yeah i didn't i didn't love this movie but i did actually really like it it was it was a fun experience i was entertained by it and you know in a category this then yes uh it makes our list so so there there you go go. that's Uh, my oscar winner nice nice my oscar winner i actually really love my number one um, it is also on Netflix Klaus. and it is Klaus. Yeah. I, I was blown away by this. I was not expecting this movie to be as good as it was. Um, the voice work in it's great. I think JK Simmons is doing something, you know, a little bit different than I've heard him do, uh, with his performances and with his voice <laughs> here. Um, and it works really, really well. Um, you've got people like Jason Schwartzman and Joan Cusack, um, 
Rashida Jones. Uh, Norm MacDonald is really funny in this movie. Not that that's a surprise that I think Norm's funny. I've thought Norm's funny for a long time. But uh, it's kind of fun to hear him you know, pop up in a voiceover uh, like this. So, And beyond all of that, beyond all of the entertainment and the fun and the funny, uh, it is also a movie um, that it really understands what it's trying to say, how it's trying to say it, and and hits hits the right spots. So uh, Klaus is my my number one. Got a question uh, for you. Is there a moment in the movie where people are ringing like jingle bells and uh, J.K. Simmons goes, not my tempo? <laughs> yes. If only. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah. Of course there is. Good. Um, same then same pick sold. for me, Aaron, nice. actually. Nice. Klaus is also my number one. Uh, it was the I'm just I'm just reading this I'm just learning this the first animated film from Netflix to even be nominated for an Academy Award. So to answer your earlier question, yes, this kind of counts. This got there some go. critical recognition. There you go. Um, the animation is gorgeous. It's done in a really sort of like faux 3D style that yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, it has a look like a cell shaded. Yeah, there's um, a cell cell shading thing going on there. Yeah. If you remember uh, the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, it looks a bit like that, uh, which is really cool. Uh, the voice work is great. And I think it has, unlike most of the other films on my list at least, a real like message and spirit of Christmas about like giving and giving back. And it also is sort of an origin story to Santa Claus, which is really neat. And um, fun for all ages. I think it's exactly the type of film that I will be watching with my family for years to come. Um, whether or not it'll be a classic, uh, I guess that remains to be seen. But definitely the best of the decade, in my opinion, in a very thin category <laughs> yes. for whatever that's worth. Yes. We found a couple worth recommending. Sure. You, uh, you guys aren't alone. Klaus is actually number 184 on IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. So That, that surprises me, but it is excellent. All, yeah. like, movies, movies of all time? Or movies, movies, movies of all time. Top 180, that number is a 184. List. Wow. That, I, that's it's shocking. The same it's the same reason you get Paddington 2 on that list as well, Aaron. Yeah. Is because it's so family friendly, people go in with low expectations. Like, I'll just throw this on for my mm -hmm. kids. Like, wait, yeah. this is actually excellent. I feel like people kind of overcorrect. And it ends up with, you know, like an 8.2 on IMDb, which doesn't sound like one of the best of all times, but... When Shawshank only has a nine, like yeah, eight point two is no. And the eights in IMDb is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, pretty it's, good. It's sandwiched in between "In the Name of the Father" and "Deer Hunter." <laughs> I'll take it. So I'll take it. So I like Klaus better two, than both of those for whatever that's worth. Me too. Brutally depressing movies, <laughs> right? And then Klaus. Does 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 Klaus not have a Russian roulette scene? I don't I don't remember. Is, <laughs> come is on, <laughs> come on, three more candy canes. Give me three more candy canes. This is a much different origin story for Santa. Yeah, right. Uh, he went through Vietnam and's like, you know, maybe I should just give presents out instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was looking at the, the chat throughout. Uh, nobody mentioned anything that we haven't mentioned. Although there is a lot of love for Arthur Christmas. People are saying that I ranked it way too low. Um, they can't believe I put Iron Man 3 in the night before uh, above uh, Arthur Christmas. Um, so maybe I need to rewatch it. But yeah, there's a lot of love for that one. Uh, the only other two that that I, I would mention just because I've seen them <laughs> is, yeah, right? is, is Office Christmas Party, which made me laugh a couple times, uh, and Rise of the Guardians uh, I saw mentioned a, a few times as well. And is Office Christmas Party the one with Olivia Munn? What's that? Is Office Christmas Party the one with Olivia Munn? Yes. I believe so. She's so hot. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. That's that's I, my uh, that's my uh, two cents on the movie that I have not seen. She's also very talented. 
Um, oh yeah, obviously. The, attractiveness but, is a talent. <laughs> yeah, is but it? also incredibly okay. gorgeous. Kim <laughs> Stunningly she beautiful. Um, she's great in newsroom. That is true. Yep, that's right. That is true. Uh, and no, she's uh, also beautiful. Guardian. What was what was it? Um, that was the the. I think that's a DreamWorks one. Uh, Rise of the Guardians. And I think it was they wanted it to be like a, a franchise, and it just didn't it didn't do well enough for them. So that's the one yeah. with like a, the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, yes. like yes. all of them. Yeah, right. We're like the the holiday um, mascots. Mascots got together and you know save the world kind of thing. So yeah. Aaron, you're not the only one who forgets bad things. I had to double check my letterbox here. I have seen Office Christmas Party. There you go. I don't remember, and the reason why is I gave it a three out of ten. There you go. <laughs> and I wrote a tepid and lifeless experience. So that's it's I fair. don't remember it, but that's it's what fair. I said. <laughs> but in this category, it gets an honorable mention. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Just because we have to talk about something. Three stars for how pretty Olivia Munn is. I think that yeah, I think that's what he wrote, uh, if yeah. I remember correctly, on Letterbox. Yep. Um, by the way, <laughs> Jonathan has the distinction of being the person to introduce me to Letterbox. Uh, he has been right on, on there for. Like since day one, basically, and uh, I got in early. Yeah, yeah and I've sure. been logging movies privately since 2006, so my diary actually goes back 14, 15 years at this point. Yeah, which predates the site itself, obviously. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm still uh, doing the Excel it. sheet. If, if my memory's not great, so this site helps out a lot. Yeah, I'm still doing the the Excel sheet, and uh, I just, I just, it's hard for me to go log for whatever reason, and wow. I just, I need to get better at it, but. I've always yeah. found IMDb is where I'm best at logging things. Yeah, yeah. Whatever method you do, I mean that you just got to stick with it and yeah. keep track. It's for nice. me, this was easy, so I, I started using it and I kind of fell in love with the convenience of everything. Yeah. Well, I'm with Aaron and you. I love Letterbox. It's great. It's nice. It's nice. I need to convert all of my stuff from IMDb over there. Yeah. Did uh, anyone see um, Last Christmas with Olivia Clark? That came out last December. I haven't seen it yet. I don't think so. I don't so. think it was out on video until after the holiday. I wasn't in the mood to see it in January. Mm. But that's one movie I thought m some of us might have mentioned, but I guess nobody has seen it. No, I don't. I, I have not seen it. Um, I never got around to watching it. Um, I know it only as the... Um, Referred to by one of my best friends as the Khaleesi Dzizi movie. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I was going to I think it was the first movie she did post Game of Thrones. Yeah. But I don't know if anyone <laughs> liked it or what. So it's like, I haven't seen that Khaleesi Dzizi <laughs> movie. I was like, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, all right, let's move on to, uh, to our... Um, recommendations at the end what do we call that buried treasure lost the, lost the plot there for a second guys Khaleesi Dzizi got me Andrew you alright <laughs> uh, I think I'll is, live what is that one crying. thing in, in any area of pop culture you want to make sure uh, people know about uh, Andrew kick us off what do you All got right. <clears throat> well uh, you know me I've been on an anime kick lately so I'm trying to knock things off my list of anime shame and uh, the one I'm watching right now is Naruto and I think Naruto is great. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this character. A lot of people tell me you have to wait till uh, Naruto Shippuden, I think is what it's called. It's like the second installment of the series for it to get elevated to like the greatest animes of all time. But uh, I'm having a lot of fun just with this original run right now. So yeah, if you're a, if you're a fan of anime, I think that people are right. And this is one you definitely need to check out if you want to call yourself an anime aficionado. 
we uh, we send it uh, the the first episode on TV sins. And uh, oh, yeah? and as the the narrator, I had to learn that it's not uh, Naruto, it's Naruto. Uh, yeah. And so, because the fans will call you out on that, <laughs> like, okay, I gotta get Naruto. this down. You gotta roll those R's. <laughs> yeah, you gotta figure That's it out. Uh, very nice. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I I was not. Uh, I'm not an anime person, so I was not like intrigued after I watched that first episode. But um, but I yeah. can see how the world building might be fun. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not like somebody asked me what's the first anime or what's the number one anime I would recommend. It, I haven't seen enough of it, but I still wouldn't go. Oh, it's the greatest anime of all time. So nice. Yeah, don't well, worry about some that. agreement in the Best, comments. People enjoy yeah, it. So it's good. Uh, I'll go second uh, so that our guests can finish this off. Um, I found a show that was absolutely designed for me on Netflix. Uh, there are six episodes. It is called "We Are the Champions." And I have talked many times about how I will watch anything that is somebody doing something better than anybody else can do it. I don't care what it is. I but love that too. Somebody right who has there. dedicated their life to the stupidest, randomest thing. I love that stuff. And that's basically what this show is. Uh, the six episodes, I can go and tell you, go ahead and tell you the topics, but the six episodes are Cheese Chasing. Uh, which is about the people that dedicate... I've seen the trailer for this. <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can do this in my memory. I don't I don't have it looked up. I might miss one or two of them. I'm not sure. But Cheese Chasing, uh, Yo-Yoing uh, is another episode. Uh, dog Dancing is another episode. Um, hairstyling. There's like a hairstyling championship uh, that goes on. Um, the, the chili do... eating and frog jumping. Yes, frog jumping and chili eating. So, and I just... Like this sucked me in so hardcore and I was just like, all right, I, I give myself to you show for as long as I can, you know, watch and uh, it was worth it. It's really well done too. It's well written, well produced. Rain Wilson narrates it and I think produces it as well. Um, and so there's, there's a bit of that kind of dry sense of humor uh, going on through some of the narration, but um, I, I, I find it fascinating and beautiful it's also gorgeously shot, like watching this cheese chasing in like super slow motion from a drone. Like it's just watching people somersault down this hill and break bones. It's just, it's incredible stuff. So, so yeah, uh, that's called We Are the Champions on Netflix. High recommend. I like me. that it's only six episodes. Yeah. And I, I think you sold me when you said cheese chasing. Like, okay. I clearly <laughs> how how long this. are the episodes? Uh, I think they're around the 30 minute mark, somewhere okay. around there. Even better. I love it. Yeah, man, yeah. I, I've I've seen clips of those people who like chase the wheel down the hill, and they they just face plant hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I love it. So yeah. So yeah, I'm sold. There you go. Good. <laughs> we are the champions. Right on. What do you got, All right. Jonathan? All right, batting third, and for no good reason because mine is is a very light recommendation. I discovered recently the mystery series mystery series of movies on the Hallmark Channel, specifically Mystery 101. It is about a professor at a college, ostensibly in America, but they definitely shoot it in British Columbia, who moonlights as a detective. She teaches about criminology, so sure, why not solve a murder in her time off? All of the crimes happen near or about campus, and she just, like, butts her head into the case and gets involved. These movies are very low-rung, very low-brain power. It feels like cheap law and order, but at a feature length with someone who, again, is not qualified to solve crime. She is a professor at a college. <laughs> but there is something so comforting about like an 85-minute, you know they're going to solve the crime at the end of the thing movie, 
where half the fun is mocking it and calling out as soon as you see the first guy, he did it, and being <laughs> right, and being right. And my wife and I have turned this into a bit of a game. We've watched two so far just this week. And if you want to get some shopping done or decorate the tree, you need something on in the background. Like, these movies are perfect for that, background entertainment. And I don't even think they're necessarily good, but they're not bad. Like, they're kind of fun. The same way that people love Law & Order, even though it is literally the same thing every episode for, you know, 25 years now. This is kind of that, but in like a cutesy Hallmark way. Nice. With a little romantic subplot. And sometimes you need, like, cheap food. You can't always watch Citizen Kane. That's right. Sometimes That's you right. need Mystery one Sometimes you have Some- to watch Holiday. Date. Some, that's right <laughs> sometimes you need csi hallmark um that's right. so it, i actually learned the skill that you're talking about uh with csi that was the first show i watched consistently where i where i learned this this skill and speaking of naming things cutesy things uh i used to call it the the casual superfluous introduction uh csi <laughs> uh and because that is almost always the killer in those uh those episodes somebody who's you're right in, no absolutely somebody in who's two, in, introduced casually and unnecessarily uh in a scene a speaking line from somebody who wouldn't necessarily need a speaking line uh is almost yeah. always the the killer so yeah my my way of going about it is that that one guy from that one thing and he is most likely the one <laughs> Sorry, yeah like you you if you bill up enough to get one guy from one thing He's the killer. Why? You know? Why is the 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 valet car guy? Why does he have a line? I don't understand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Mystery one oh one. Where can people check that out? Is that on Hallmark Channel? It's on the Hallmark Channel. Okay. I, we set up a TiVo one pass for it, um, and they've made five of them. And they only started a year ago. They make like three of these a year, and I think that's what I love about it. If you need a, a recurring series, but a feature length film, so you can still Check that box on Letterbox. Uh, <laughs> these qualify. And nice. I looked into it deeper. Hallmark has like hundreds of these things. Lori Laughlin did like 18 before she was sent to prison. Wow. All about garage sale mysteries. And it's like, okay, I guess that's my January now. I'm going to watch every one that Lori Laughlin's ever done. Nice. Very nice. Well, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. Yeah, we, we accomplished uh, the impodstable and uh, made it happen. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is start, uh, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again. Thank you, buddy. Uh, big thanks to producer Phil for producing the show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to uh, Drew for putting together the graphics. And a uh, big thanks to Jonathan Paula for joining us as a guest this week. Uh, where do you want to send people? Welcome. What do you have anything you want to promote? Anything you want to send people to? Um, I guess the only thing I have done recently of any importance. <laughs> well, uh, other actually, than having a child, but yes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I've been working on that. Um, two quick things. I'm working on a, what I call the trilogy edit of the Back to the Future films taking all three movies, editing them together, splicing in deleted scenes, color correcting, adding music, adding special effects, uh, I'm sorry, audio effects, and merging all of the credits for one seamless five and a half hour experience. I hope to finally have that finished uh, sometime in December. Nice. Once I, once I get all like the 4K footage up from the 1080p edit I've been working on. That's sort of been a passion project. Definitely have no idea how I'm going to release that, let alone legally. <laughs> um, and the other thing, the pinned tweet on my Twitter page at John Paula is a list I made on Letterboxd of the, I call it the big list of great films 
according to Humans Everywhere Ranked, or The Blogfather. And this list takes the AFI 100 we mentioned earlier, it takes the IMDb Top 250, it takes British um, Sight and Sound Magazine, all these respected publications and lists, and weights all of the graphs and all of the totals, and merges them all together for one like definitive de facto, these are the top 1,000 movies ever made. And uh, took a lot of Excel math and a lot of free time to put it together. But that has now become my movie Bible that I'm going to slowly whittle away until I see everything on it. And I'm at like 63% or so, 630 movies. So still have a ways to go, but um, you're gonna have every major classic you think you need to watch is gonna be on there. Very nice. Uh, so and obviously the Sif Pop is like 3X. It's like three times weight. Yes. For the Sif Pop yes. list on that. Yeah, I just want to. Anytime you give a recommendation, that immediately is like an automatic <laughs> yes, 400 points. Launches up there. Up. Totally, totally get it. Much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and you get access to every bonus episode, uh, which we do those weekly, as well as some other fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Sift Pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. You can comment, rate, or leave a review at Apple Podcasts. Uh, or wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it, and that listening is much easier than figuring out the meaning of someone's life from their last words. Uh, we will be back next week again, hopefully with another special guest and some more fun movies. Uh, we're just kind of playing it by ear, but we'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>